right, we are uh, we are back. You're listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition of ComedySchoolsRadio.com. Uh, I really like that song. Once again, I don't know who it is. Uh, somebody got a hold of our playlist, you and uh, Rob the Intern, who's never here. I guess because we don't pay him because he's an intern. Um, so he chooses his own hours. Uh, changed my playlist and took all my Howlin' Wolf off and replaced it by cool music that I don't know. That should be, I'm going to put out a compilation. You know, Jackie Gleason, a great comic, he's put out albums like called Music for Modern Lovers. And it was just other people's stuff with Jackie Gleason's name on it. I'm going to do that. Music I like that I don't know. What do you think of that? Clint, Clint Eastwood has an album like that, too, actually. Every, in the 60s, everybody was doing it. <laughs> it was yeah, great. Yeah. I think Cosby might even have one. <laughs> music, <laughs> might have brought him out sometimes. Music <laughs> to pass out to and wake up naked. Exactly. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Let me distract you with this bad music while I put some pills in your drink. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what the real story of Bill, you know, the real moral is, is retire. If he would have just retired. Yeah, you know, right. but he wanted he wanted to come and and also don't tell people how to wear their pants. Well, I mean, in his defense, he has been so loyal to his fan base; they still kind of sort of came out for him. Yeah, and also, I mean, would him be disappearing? Would that actually help? Um, I don't, I don't know. I actually have no idea. What the, I, I think the rule is don't rape. I think that's the lesson we all <laughs> have learned from this. <laughs> Unless it's like a thing on a weekend, you got a bet, and there's a safe word. Okay, obviously, this, you can rape sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> weddings for fun. Obviously, I'm just saying, just Wait. in general. <laughs> We're talking to. Pace yourself, come on. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Seton Smith, who's at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy all weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. And uh, hey, I got it. So here's a question. So we built, we, immediately, Bill Cosby came up. Uh, can you separate the the man from the work? Yes. Yeah. I can. You I mean, can. but I'm doing it for practical reasons because I have things to learn. I don't yeah. think I, I don't think I could easily do it in other fields. Like I remember, I was in the, I was a nerd at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading this book on metaphysics by this guy Heidegger, who I think uh, the no no was it metaphysics? No, it was uh it was whatever. Point being, he was a very famous German philosopher, but he was also during the Nazi time. <laughs> that yeah. was his height. So it was like more or less like, do I believe? Do I want to keep reading? I really actually had put the book down. I was like, I just don't care <laughs> about your thoughts. Can you uh, listen to Wagner? Do you listen to Wagner? Because he was uh, he was a virulent anti-Semite, but uh, he wrote point. Flight of the Valkyries. Good point. I like Woody Allen essays, and I'm confused <laughs> in that situation. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Roman Polanski? I don't know. Um, I thought he made a couple good movies. Chinatown's one of the great movies of all time. Birth of a Nation. Now, Birth of a Nation has some great shots. I mean, yes. Not the ones where the Negroes were being killed, but the ones with the cannonball. That was dope. So I don't know. I we, guess I can. We were talking about when you came in because uh, um, uh, I was arguing with... Um, uh, as a white guy, I have white friends, and a lot of my white friends are like revisionists, you know. And uh, that's another thing. I, I I have friends who whose points of view I go, that's such an obvious lie, or so wrong, yeah. you know. And uh, trying to tell me that the South, that the war was not about slavery, and I go, well, read the articles of sensa- cessation filed by South Carolina, where all they mention is slavery. That's all they mention, and that's the reason they're seceding. And then tell me that it wasn't about slavery. What 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 was their thought? What? Why? Well, they're saying it was economics. <laughs> well, what was the economic well, thing that they, wasn't factoring the fact that your labor force was free? They, they, <laughs> that's the old joke. <laughs> that's the old joke. Well, they didn't want to pay the help. Uh, <laughs> some people, there was a tariff act. That there was an argument. There was there were protectionists in the north who uh, wanted to put tariffs 
on uh, <laughs> on certain goods and that this was going to damage the South's economy and that's why they seceded. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is funny. They were going to give us tariffs. That's why we, we killed 800,000 people because of the tariffs. <laughs> Yeah. God damn it, those tariffs are getting to us. I'm sorry. It's going to cost us an extra buck. I'm going to have to kill my brother because of this tariff today. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's hilarious. But well, we were telling you, the birth of a nation was part of the, the, the revisionism of uh, Civil War, Gone with the Wind. It was the start of the wonder. I, that's why, yeah, somebody said this great point that somehow the South lost the fight but won the war, uh, won the, the narrative war. Yeah. It's almost like with your woman, when you're wrong, when she's obviously wrong, but she makes you feel bad about it. Yeah. You know, that's what that's yeah. The South is done. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. She was rude to you, but she, you're apologizing. That's yeah. what pretty much Lincoln did. <laughs> I don't know how we apologize to these people for slavery. <laughs> I don't know how we're doing it, North, but we lost that fight. Liberals, man, we need more bullies. I swear to God, we, we need a, we need a yeah. liberal version of Trump. I swear we do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? You know, I was at, I was talking about him right before he came in. Is uh, I was uh, uh, watching him uh, last night. You can't help but watching. He's in everything. I think he was on a, a Muppet special. I just saw. Yeah, he's, uh, he's everywhere. He's great. No, he's really like one on one in marketing. All right, you just really yeah. <laughs> you the wanna... lighting at his rallies because yeah. they're rallies. And I was looking at it and I thought, he's like, look, I watched Hillary Clinton's speech yesterday, a cool speech. And I point out to my wife. I go, there's a reason why she had 25 American flags behind her as the backdrop. She was making a foreign policy speech. She's a liberal hawk. She wanted to show that she's someone who can handle the foreign policy of the nation. Right. So we know that there's window dressing. But you watch Trump rallies, and there's it, the lighting, it, it has a lot of shadows. It's very yeah. dramatic. Yeah. It's very operatic. Mm-hmm. It's very Wagnerian. It's very 1930s Germany. If you go back and look at the videos and the films that were made of the rallies in Germany in the 30s, and you look at the lighting, and you look at Trump's life. Of course, this is in color. That was black and white. They should colorize some of those 1930s should rallies. Colorize. I mean, I feel yeah. like it's not like Hitler was the only one. I mean, he was... Uh, he was. He, yeah, he, I mean, they, they structured... I mean, they, they took that... I think the formula was come from something else. I don't know. Uh, but I remember yeah. I've seen some documentaries where they just started, like, they kind of f- started figuring out the formula. And there's a rumor that Trump has figured out and been studying kind of hypnosis, and that's why he repeats a lot and he speaks in a rhythm. Sure, I don't think it's that deep. I think it's just basic good speech. Uh, good speeches have rhythm to it. If I mean, you, he's like Malcolm X. It's if, good. If you watch some of the European 1930s leaders, I'm not going to mention by name. Uh, sure, th- there was a couple of them, and there was there was one here in America named Huey Long, who some people thought could become president. He was mm. governor of Louisiana, and uh, he was assassinated by someone you know uh, uh, in the Capitol. Well, it was There's a great, 60s. We great book people. about it by a guy named Robert Warren Penn. No, that was in the 30s. Was it? Oh yeah, my bad. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm yeah, thinking all about... the King's Men. There was a remake of All the King's Men. I oh, is that him? Oh, is that it's, based on him? Okay, it's based on him. Yeah. It's based on him, but he was he was that tore. But you know, the strong. We need a strong man leader. Democracy has failed, etc. You know, uh, there it's weird how these speeches don't really change. No. <laughs> it just gets better. It just gets better mic equipment. That's yeah. it. <laughs> you like like the yeah. fact that Bernie Sanders is saying stuff that people were saying all in the forties. You're like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> if you look at Huey Long or Benito Mussolini or other people who were the strong men of the time, and look at the uh, look at their speech patterns and look at their hand gestures and look at the way they talk. We're seeing it again today with uh, Don Trump. You know, but I mean, I, I, I see that link. But I mean, if you, his, his his people are all based off anger. And I guess like and Mussolini's based off anger. But like, you know, like and Obama was based off the whole love thing. And he stole from MLK. So we all have our own. Well, <laughs> you, you, you could even get, yeah, yeah. No, no, MLK was a totally different speaker. I yeah. Mean, that was, you know, just incredibly. Sweet. His hands were all open and loving while Hitler was hands was all like yeah. lower ready to slap you. Well, <laughs> in Italy and Germany in the 30s and in parts of America today, what you had were people who 
believed that their greatness was behind them. Italy, the Roman Empire, German, you know, uh, pre-World War One, you know, and now with a lot of uh, guys my age, a lot of white guys my age. I'm an expert on white guys my age because I'm a white guy my age. Right. And uh, they have this feeling that, that their greatness is behind them, that it has been taken from them, <laughs> and that the leader will bring it back. You know, I'm, you know, this is why I'm not afraid of them is because uh, those other comparisons you made were Germany. Uh, yeah. Germany was actually in its lowest economic, as you know, the most almost like from the World War uh, One's. Uh, what do you call them? It's not tariffs. It's it was uh, 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 concessions. No, it's uh, come on. It what's wasn't. That word? It wasn't. Rep- it was uh, uh, the, the, the what the economic sanctions. Sanctions. Because of all the sanctions they put on Germany and all those things, they, they became really poor and they gave it all the foreigners. So I mean, you know why they had a war because they were so poor there was really no. Yeah. Option for them. Uh, the white guys are still really rich, so I cannot imagine a revolution. That's why I think people say, "Oh, it's but gonna be a revolution." Nah, y'all are not. It's not. Y'all are not that desperate yet. That's I, what makes the United States unique, though. We are the only. Our 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 revolution was started and fought by rich guys. True, very true. But in in I have to retort that um, they were younger rich guys. Hey, they had slaves to pay for them, and and also. This is why I don't think it's gonna happen because uh God I had it and I just fucked my hand. No, no, ah, I'm gonna lose this fight. Edit this out because I just forgot. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't think we're actually having a fight. We're just we're just we're just uh, both of us are in a sense talking about another, clarifying our own thoughts. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. Let me think about this. I don't think uh, the revolution is a sound comparison because I think it's a lot more based off cable news than it is based off actual reality. Because Trump is interesting because he's saying blatant, not kind of sort of lies, but like blatant like, and it's. It, it, it lies that are hypnotosis, like the whole like yeah. we. I, I was the first one to bring up immigration. I'm confused by that statement. We never stop talking about immigration. Yeah. Why the hell is he bringing it up? Yeah. The fact he says our jobs are going to trash. I'm like, how we're five percent? Like, and it's all things like hell that nobody respects us in the world. I don't know if you notice this. Everybody's scared of us. So I'm like, what is he? How does he uh, make it work? It's like he's he's, he's I don't know. He's making. Uh, I, th- I, I think one of two things going to happen with him. Either a he's going to get elected. RB, his hubris, which you're, you're like this week where he started, he blatantly said that the judge in his fraud case uh, uh, should be recused himself because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a conflict of interest because he's a Mexican. Because I'm building a wall, he's a Mexican. I love him. Now, that's hubris, uh, you know, and I'm going, it's not quite, it, there, there gets to a point where even the, the, the people who are, like lightly racist, go, okay, no, that, that's too far. No, you know what he's turning into? He what do you turn- mean we can't listen to Prince albums? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know what reminds me of? What do you mean we can't watch basketball? Come on, man, we like basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. You know what he's turning into? He's turning into that guy that doesn't drink at all, but you give him like a, a shot of tequila, and he starts saying funny things, and then everybody starts going, oh, that's funny. Let's give him some more liquor. And he starts getting dark, and you're like, oh, we need we need to get him some water. Because <laughs> that's what's happening this week. He's just losing his mind. Uh, you're, 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 a, you're a very funny comic and, and a good actor, and I want to get to a video I saw of yours that had to, oh, do, with, sure. had to do with a, uh, a young woman in a $20 bill. But, uh, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to that. But we both know people who get drunk on their own words. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love it. Now, I remember when Glenn Beck, when I first became aware of Glenn Beck, when he was on CNN, and I watched him begin to kind of turbo, and I go, this guy's getting drunk at his own words. Then we find out things about uh, Glenn Beck, and I'm not, that he is a recovering alcoholic who then converted to uh, LDS. And I go, I go, he's, and it's not that converting to LDS is bad or being a recovered alcoholic is bad, but he was a guy without a core yeah. who got drunk on his own ego, yeah. who's now, once again, turned almost now, he's, you know, he's, he's anti Trump. Yeah. You know, and, and, and where he got suspended from Sirius because he had a guy on talking about we might have to assassinate Trump. 
Trump's the same guy. He's getting drunk on his own words. He's feeding off of it. And those guys generally, it's going to take longer for Trump to trip over his own his own statements, mm-hmm. but it's eventually going to happen, I think. Yeah, no, I think Hillary said something smart. She was like, the election is a long time away. Polls are so flaky. Like, we loved her two years ago. Wait, are you talking about Polish people? Because that's racially... That's all I'm talking about is Polish people. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, I, <laughs> I can't differentiate white people. Uh <laughs> I don't know. Y'all. You got to put labels on you. Uh, <laughs> It'd be okay to say, they all look similar to me. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? Actually, no, I went to Europe uh, last year doing some comedy. Yeah, you know, no, y'all got different shaped heads. Yeah. You know, like, no, definitely. Yeah. And more ears over there than here. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, more but, pronounced uh, noses. More pronounced noses. Their cartoons yeah. are like, their cartoons freak me out because they exaggerate different parts of the body. Yeah. And it, and it kind of creeps me out. Versus here, we exaggerate, you know, hands and they exaggerate like the nose canals it's like really like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate, I hate british cartoons i don't know um but um what are we talking about i lost track we're gonna talk about you so let's 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 talk about you a little bit i mean sure, this man. Was, we just kind of so uh we were watching some stuff years we love your stuff you know we, oh, thanks, we've seen it before but uh, i ran across a video you made and i don't i don't know what it's attached to but uh it's a video of you and uh, it's a funny video and it's a, it has about you and a woman in twenty dollars where oh. there you see this young lady waking up Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's obvious she kind of looks around. She's got that look like, oh, my God, what did I do last night? Not horrified, but just trying to figure it out. And then you're standing over, you know, very nicely, warmly with a cup of coffee, going, I had a great time last night. And then she goes, you need to give me $20 for a cab ride home. You go, you are home. (laughs) And then she argues with you as to why you should give her the money anyway. And the thing, it spirals. Yeah. And it's a very funny video. Now, did you write that? Did you create that? No, but we improv'd it. So, like, uh, the guy who directed it, Orrin, him and the, the star actress, I'm sorry, I did this thing like four years ago, so I forget I'm blanking <laughs> my name. But uh, they kind of already had the idea, and they had a series. Actually, other people like Sashir Zamata, Zamata on um, SNL did it. And I, uh, yeah, they were just like, here's a scenario, and then uh-huh. just keep going back and forth. And then we would find something that was funny, and then we would re-record it, and we just kind of organically found it. It was kind of really <laughs> awesome. And then, like, I realized that's kind of the best way I can act. Like, you just kind of let me kind of go wild, and then would rein me in. Like, uh, I got really lucky to do a spot on Girls. I was in the season finale of Girls this year. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, I got to do a spot with Lena, and like uh, they gave, they had some lines, but they were like, ah, I kind of go crazy, and they had me do like twelve takes of just playing around, and they just used some stuff I improv and put in the show, and I was like, thank you, great honor. That's <laughs> kind of a, a new. Uh, I give uh, uh, Larry David actually before Larry David, even Christopher Guest, uh, the credit yeah. for um, uh, anybody who's ever tried to teach an acting class. Okay, the majority of the money that people spend on an acting class is learning how to memorize words and then make them sound like you just thought them up. Yeah, that's the that's the real trick to performance. That that's something that is deep inside you that's already ingrained. You begin to, that you say over and over again sounds immediate, mm-hmm. and that that's how come so much act, so many actors are bad actors. Yeah, because most of them. But with the idea with Christopher Guest and what he was doing with shows with movies like Waiting for Guffman and and then This Is Spinal Tap, which I guess was the granddaddy of it, and then what Larry David did, they found a way to go. Here's a, a loose scenario yeah. that we need you to fill in, and generally the people that can do it are fairly literate themselves. You know, the performers are. It's not someone who's like, oh no, just. 
I'd say something dumb. Yeah. You know, they're fairly literate. There's there's a little bit of writer in, in most good actors anyway. So yeah. that's kind of how that video was created. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. just kind of all just kind of like just, you know, riffed like it was a jazz thing. It's yeah. really, it, yeah, I think that's the best way to make that. I don't say the best, but like, because like even when I did Mulaney, I enjoyed, there's a certain kind of having a very strong game plan and then practicing that game plan for yeah. a week. And then it's almost like being on like the 78 or 72 licks where you're just sitting there just bounce passing and making a shot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all, a, it, it all has its own. Merits, but yeah, um, I right now, like for some reason, people let me improv and let me keep doing that until I <laughs> until I stop. <laughs> oh, just talking to you, I can see why. I mean, you you could fill the space, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me go wild, man. I could yeah. probably think of something smarter than yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> if I said we're gonna talk about cheese now, boom, you'd be off 10 minutes. I'm, I, I could just I yeah. need some cheese. I mean, it ain't gonna be gold, yeah. <laughs> but it's gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> compelling. Yeah. You, compelling you could give talk. me a compelling ar- argument as to why I should eat Lindberger even though the smell is odious. I don't know if I go in the Limburger because I, I have to go on my strengths. I probably just pitch in cheddar really hard. Cheddar, cheddar over blue. Yeah. I love blue, like blue crumbles. Blue crumbles or feta. You know what? I just jumped on the feta craze. I ain't gonna lie because I'm, I'm starting to do salads because I'm getting to that age where I'm like, oh, I might turn into my dad and die. Yeah. Uh, he ain't dead, but he like I've discovered my my grandpa. He died at 94, but he was on a farm his entire life, and he died really because he tried to fix the roof at 94, and he <laughs> fell off, and he didn't even die immediately. He died six months later just from being just sitting around being inactive my father though is like 70 and change and he just ate you know basically diabetes food yeah. his entire life and he's like barely keeping it together so i'm like okay i need to learn i need that that need the difference is the fresh food thing how old so are you now i'm 34 you're now. 34 yeah you got a little time i got no i got time but yeah. i'm just sitting there like you know sometimes your body starts because i'm at the age where your body starts to respond to the things in your 20s your body just is like ah we'll be okay do what you want walks it off yeah now my body's like all of a sudden yeah I'm okay, but you know that didn't feel too good. I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting nervous, you know. All right, no more half bottles of liquor for me. <laughs> I remember being 32, going at 32, and this is perfect. I could just stop here. Yeah. As yeah. soon as I said, if I could just stop here, I realized, go, oh, that was in the past. <laughs> this ain't gonna stop. I'm literally at my peak right now. I, yeah. I look and feel, and I am like, my mind is sound. I have, I, I'm, I'm gonna admire this time for the rest of my life. Even though I ain't gonna lie, I, I'm excited to be like in my 40s and just. You know, have uh, you know a savings and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a conception of like a good rate. You know, but yeah, kind of was exciting. <laughs> so, so you're starting. Are you, do you still live in Los Angeles? No, nah, I moved back to New York because like I wanted to uh, do more stand up and figure out. Uh, I want you know in LA when you do stand up, it's like I'm getting ready to be discovered or get my show. Yeah. And in New York, it's like. I'm getting ready to discover myself up there. Like something, something's gonna happen for me, and I'm gonna really find some really great art. And I like, I like that with stand up. I feel like no matter, I've gotten, I've been lucky enough to be on like every type of level of movie or commercial and, and yeah. TV, and I've also done like big stadiums. But nothing feels better than a new joke. So yeah, I figure I'll just nothing, keep doing. <laughs> nothing feels better than yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just keep doing. I'm gonna keep following that and feeling good until I'm told not to. Are you, uh, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of comics here in, in Phoenix listen to this show. Uh, other people listen to it as well, but a lot of kind. So I, I try to get I try to get the artists to come in to talk a little bit about their process sure. without it becoming you know dry. And but I mean, are you? Some people are wordsmiths, mm-hmm. okay, and some people uh, are more organically performers. Where do you fall in this? What works best for you? Um, uh, I'm um, I journal and then I uh, will 
take my set that I already have now and then find what kind of thoughts I have in my set. And then, like, if I journal a thought that I think is interesting, I'll put it in my set and just kind of talk it out. And then I'll get on stage and read. Uh-huh. And from there, I'll have fun with it. And that's yeah. where the jokes are. So I like it's like a it's a hybrid of both. So it's journaling and then getting on stage. I know that sounded dry. But like, no, 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 no. There's a new thing I got. I noticed is like I think comedy is like verbal um puzzles like verbal like in sense like i only think of my jokes my bits all come in pieces like it takes two years to think of these things so yeah then like i have a thought and then i'm like that thought has nothing to do with anything and then like six months later i have another thought and eventually i know oh all these thoughts mean the same thing maybe there's a bit here <laughs> you you know you strike me as someone too uh, uh tell me if this thought process for me i, I like to write very exact precise jokes mm-hmm. and then i like to go on stage and talk to the audience right so- <laughs> that's dope that's dope i love that so i got it there uh-huh. it's like i have the, all this stuff and everyone i won't just uh, last night I, I i got a call and i don't do a lot of show but i went down and did a show at this this guy's bar and i walked in and went these people don't want to hear any jokes yeah, they want to yeah. be acknowledged so i did 40 minutes of just you know talking and we had a great time yeah. but i'll write very exact jokes and and then i'll some nights i will tell if the audience is going to listen so when you're on stage is it a combination do you get upset if you've got a bunch of new material you want to work on and there's whatever's going on in the room is not going to allow that to happen yes. you have to do something else i get upset Especially lately, like first 10 years, I was really riding on instinct. So, because I was doing a lot of bar shows in DC, and so yeah. like, I would do, then I would do redneck shows, and then I would just do like a lot of just just shows where you had to just keep people's attention. And uh, so I was yelling and just kind of uh, the best way I could words, I was raping them with my words, just like ah, God, no breath, no air. Yeah. And then like the next thing, I realized, uh, oh wait, there are people there. For so like the last three years, um, it's been like. Uh, I'll uh I'll be sitting there listening to my tapes a lot and have like this exact plan and I get on stage with yeah. and the plan those be like and they'll tell me no that doesn't work yeah and so I had to stop I had to stop thinking that way I had to be like okay everything has to just be no I'm lying it literally changes day to day every day some <laughs> days I'm like I mean, like last night I was in the mood to try a bunch of new stuff because I'm on the you know being on the road I have yeah. seven shows here but then the crowd last there were two of these 23 year old entitled women who decided that the show was about them <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so I had to I didn't I didn't, wasn't mean to them but it was just like oh god it's alright but if I I could either I had to make a choice I was either going to hate my life or hate the next 45 minutes or love it and I just kind of went with the flow you know I uh, I was flipping I came downstairs the other night and my wife who's also producing her show who's yeah. super, she was watching some show on Bravo and I go what the hell is this uh-huh. and it's called what is it called couch what's the couch show where the people, where they're actually showing the people's couch. The people's is it called the people's couch? Uh-huh. And what it is is, have you seen this show? No. And what it is is they they have people, uh, various groups of people, uh, young couples, a lesbian couple, African American family, old people, and they're watching like uh, shows I've never watched, uh, uh, like The Voice, something like that, and then mm. them commenting, going, "Oh, she sucks." This Ooh. and that. Well, they're sitting. Well, like we, what it's supposed to do is capturing us, America, on our couches. Watching these shows and what we say. Wow. And I looked in and I thought, it's an enjoyable, you know, piece of popcorn fodder, but will it add to the problems that we still have? I'm not a big fan of hecklers at a live performance. Any show I've ever oh, ran, yeah. and I've ran shows for 30 years, if people start talking, I go up and I stop them. I go, the people didn't pay to come out and see you. Now, if the performer decides to talk to the people, mm. but do, are you finding that there's more and more heckling, more and more entitled people? than there was when you started is this becoming a bigger issue is it not a big deal at all um for me i'm so interactive because you know honestly because of acting i learned how to listen yeah so therefore now when they talk 
for the most part, I'm leading, I'm in control in the situation, but that took a long time. I couldn't do yeah. that the first 10 years. That took yeah. like a maturity, understanding where I'm positioned in life. And so yeah. now I have like a, I have like, and then I got bigger as a human being, so now I can, I can use bullying a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, it, literally all the tricks as a human being, you just learn. Yeah. So, but, uh, but I, I don't know. Um, is heckling getting worse? I don't know if it's getting worse, but I think, I think there's a sensitivity in comics right now who think that their sh- their uh, is this podcast I can curse yeah, a little yeah, bit. You, you they think their shit is gold. Like they're going up there talking about their dick jokes and they think you need to shut the fuck up and listen to me. Like no, you need to earn their yes. attention, yo. Yes. Like you're not maybe you're not worth listening to. <laughs> That's something you need to contemplate, yo. It's a bit. I I see that with a lot of a lot of younger comics. Not all young, and I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't want to fall in that that category. Younger comics. But individuals that go, well, people should listen to me. I go, well, why? You you work, and, and nothing against people who work at Starbucks. You go, you work at Starbucks, you don't know anything. You know who doesn't do this? Black comics. <laughs> yeah. Black comics don't go like, man, the audience, they, they bitch about the audience, but they also know basic, yo, if you ain't funny, we ain't going to listen to you for the next 30 seconds. Yeah. You got 30 seconds, yo. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a rule that we just accept, you know? Yeah. Def Jam showed us, like, yo, we'll get booed off stage, man. Yeah. So it's like, and I just, it's just. Yeah, I, I I find that, and it's interesting because here's the thing. I, I did this whole TED Talks on this conversation, but like white comics do presentational versus black comics do a call and response, which in my opinion is kind of like black comedy is a, is a continuation of... Uh, the uh, blues min- or gospel? No, well, it's a combination of minister and blues and gospel. Okay. It's a combination. Because yeah. You notice like there's, there's a general structure of uh, African-American preachers, which is they come on stage very humble. Uh-huh. And then they, they, the issue isn't so much, the lesson isn't a lesson. The lesson is about you. It's not God is doing this. There's sin in the world. There's sinners after you. And, you know, yeah. Versus a white uh, uh, ministers, they do the same kind of general structure, but it's like presentational. I have a lesson for you. Please pull out your books and listen. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and so and that, that I found that in black comics, like, there's a call and response you just need to have to uh-huh. get people, yo, how y'all feeling? You good? You going up? You haven't been with bitches? Versus, you know, so I don't know how I, I got in this conversation. Well, no, it's even if you <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been I've been to uh, several black churches and and you know and 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 studied history a lot and like James Brown just yeah. brought what was going on in African American Southern Baptist churches to the secular stage all the way down to the cooling down thing where people throw coats on top of him right. to cool him down right you know, as a young white kid and I'm first seeing James Brown first off I'm scared I'm going what is that yeah. what is that and then I'm going. You know, I didn't, it scared me too. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, he, he was so good, it was scary. Yeah, I, I, Eddie Murphy imitated him on SNL. It scared me. Like I was like, yeah. "What's going on?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. The hot tub bit. The hot tub bit was great. <laughs> it's a great bit. It's a great bit. But like, yeah, no, like it's because uh, uh, it's 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 uh, it's this beautiful kind of rela- uh, relationship that you have to build. And I, I once I discovered that again, that's something I just recently discovered. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's it's what comedy is about because it hits that emotional base because that's what you want to do comedy comedy is supposed to relieve those horrible emotion sides yeah and if you take the moment to actually hit that emotion then joke upon it then it's like so much more versus yeah. like you just hurry up and get in like this is a joke this is just, i don't know i'm all about that connection yo that's all i'm trying to say it's like i don't know it's 90 percent of it <laughs> and that's why people it's live there's a reason why it's live and why mm-hmm. it works you know, tell me if you if you if you would agree with this because I've been telling people this and they go, I haven't really presented to anybody of uh, uh, any standing or, or understanding of, of the art sure. more deeply. I'm just telling people this that w- there's two reasons one uh, uh, two reasons why stand up still exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's many, Ooh. but these are two of the big ones. Okay, mm-hmm. one we've been trained our entire lives to be in that sort of uh, uh, venue. 
from the time when you're five years old, they put you in school, you sit with a group of people, <coughs> mm-hmm. uh, third, and then you listen to one person talk for mm-hmm. about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then you leave and go listen to someone. You know, but that's the way it works. So that by the time you go to a stand-up comedy show, you're used to sitting at in, in a chair and something resembles a desk listening to a person talk. Right. Now, what you get to do at a stand-up comedy show is you get to respond. Like, if you laugh, if you're like in third grade and you go, all right, we're going to talk about English, you go, ah, English, that, you know, you're going to get in trouble. Right. So right. it's almost like a release. That's one of the reasons I think stand-up still works. Okay? And then one of the other reasons that it works and I've tried to tell us the young comics go, I don't feel like I should have to tell jokes, and I don't feel like it should just all be about laughter. It shouldn't all be about <laughs> laughter. I know, yeah, you'll hear that. <laughs> That's such a stupid thing to say. That's such a stupid Thank thing you, to Seton say. Smith. It should be all about laughter. Well, yeah, go write some poetry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see that, and, and I've actually said to people, I, go, I know why you're saying that, because you can't write a joke. Yeah. So you're trying to set the bar lower so that you're acceptable. But Only hacks of, say that, yeah. One of the things that we offer, and tell me if you agree or disagree, why it works, it is the only entertainment art form where there is a reasonable expectation that you're going to laugh hard a lot. Yes. That there's a reasonable expectation on a good show, and there's a lot of good shows, where from a few minutes after you walk in until the time you leave, you're going to laugh almost the entire time. Yeah, you forget about that. Yeah. 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 Now, you're not going to do that in a movie. I mean, Something About Mary, when I think about it, Something About Mary was a hilarious comedy movie. Royal Tannenbaum's a hilarious comedy movie. But I didn't laugh the entire time. No. I wasn't falling out of my chair. You know, the first laugh in Something About Mary is seven minutes, seven and a half minutes in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Seven Try doing half. that as a stand-up. <laughs> 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 you know, if you're going to watch a sitcom, you know, uh, uh, we have a friend, a very close friend of ours, Jeff Abagov, who was... Uh, 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 executive producer of Grace Under Fire. He just wrote his first novel. And he and I, one time, were talking when I was kind of in a very passive-aggressive way, trying to maybe get Jeff to hire me, mm-hmm. you know, but I was his friend, and he didn't hire his friends, and that's why I hated being his friend. Mm-hmm. But I, And uh, he said, look, here's the problem. He goes, in a sitcom, he goes, I'm the executive producer, you're a comic. There's a joke that makes everybody fall out of their chair laughing, but it totally destroys the, uh, uh, the story, and it goes against the grain of who the character is. Does the joke stay in? And I go, yeah, because it's funny. He goes, that's why you don't write sitcoms. He goes, we create characters they are interested in every week. So that's what they do. Yeah. And, that, and the movies do. And a novel and a, a, a short story. But stand-up comedy still exists because of people like you and others like you who go in there and go, I'm going to make everyone laugh as much as possible, as long as possible. No, you're right. Like I was, uh, I remember there's some comics who want to rush their career, and you always be like, "Hey, man, there's never gonna be a time in Hollywood where we're like, man, we got enough jokes. We don't even need none. Yeah. We need some more sad people. That's never gonna happen." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so just yo, take your time, get good at your craft. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, you speak on another point. Is this is weird with comedy? Is like no matter how good you get at stand up, you're gonna have to learn to get good at something else if you want to make money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta learn how to combine that too, yo. You can't just be funny. The, the era. The because there was an era when I, I started in 85, 86, and by, by 88, by 89, I bought a house doing stuff. I, yeah. bought, I, bought I bought a townhouse in the valley. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, but that was, you know, so, that's but I bought a townhouse in the valley, which always amazed me. I go, I'm, I used to, I demeaned it a little bit. You know, I used to say, they go, what do you do for a living? I go, I said, I tell dick jokes to drunks in Cleveland three times a year. And, mm-hmm. and then I go to North Carolina twice, and then I'm on a triple run. So, uh, uh, but, that era's kind of past, isn't it? Where a guy, because there were uh, friends of mine, peer, uh, uh, a little ahead of me, uh, were making five to seven thousand dollars a week without a sitcom, and then that era kind of passed. Yeah. So now it's more of a it's more of a multi pronged era. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. I mean, all this. I, I always get beat myself up like, oh man, why am I not successful? Because like the two people in 
New Yorker, this industry helped me a lot. It's Mulaney and Hannibal. Yeah. And like, it's funny. I was like sitting there like, man, why am I not? Why can't I get dr- crowds like Hannibal and Mulaney? Why can't you cry? And I forget, like, they got to New York before me and they were on TV a bunch before me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, everybody's headlining now is like, are regularly on TV. TV is the only way to get people to. Are you friends with Hannibal Burris? Yeah, he is helped me. Yeah, I okay. used to host his uh, other show. So, yeah, Very funny man. Oh, he's Very great. funny man. So, I want to ask you a question. And you don't, if you don't want to answer, don't answer. Has it affected him? I mean, is he aware? He's he's obviously this is not an unaware man. Right. He's he's obviously aware that he was the pivot point in the Cosby situation. Yeah. Yeah. He's obviously aware of that, and he now knows when he when sometimes there's certain things that you do in life, and they're often inadvertent, and that becomes your jacket. Yeah. There's that song you sang or that thing you said. So very funny guy, known in the comedy community. He was always funny before, and he was, he was not trying to make a. He was not trying to make a story. It was just a like it's weird. Like when you're like a nobody and you're just talking trash, you're talking yeah. shit in the room. I, like I say everything, yeah. but then suddenly they just decided he was important. Like it was weird. Like he wasn't. He didn't make it. He didn't email everybody. Please make me important. I'm wanting this job. Yeah. And they just they, everybody decided for him, and he yeah. was like, all right, well I'm already funny. I'm gonna keep selling out things, and that's what he, did. he just got bigger has and bigger. It, has this affected him in any way? Is he aware of it? Does he? It, 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 you know. Um, nah, Hannibal's not like that. He's, he's not like not, that. Yeah, like, I, I, don't if mean, it does, I don't mean in arrogant ways. He's sitting there going, "Wow, I did this." You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, he. I mean, obviously, when it first happened, it was like it's overwhelming. Like, what the hell? I mean, there's yeah, crazy yeah. people just coming out of the woodwork. Um, yeah. but uh, I thought he, he didn't become like a spoke. And I, I noticed as that happened, he didn't become like a spokesman for anything. He didn't capitalize on it. Hannibal wants to be funny and okay, like just okay, and good. trying yeah. to be like that would be to take away from his career. No, no, he's one of the more pure him and Melania they're just so too pure all about like I just want to be the funniest person ever kind of comedy people so yeah. I mean, everything else is not important just money and just making sure your money's right um, but yeah but when hanging out with him yeah he's never changed he's never gotten more egotistical or crazier he's just very legitimate he's a more of a party guy though and <laughs> he's he, a really a fun guy he has after parties for all the shows like yeah. Prince <laughs> so I'm like yeah so. there's nothing in the drinks at his party here. No, 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 no. No, there, no. Everybody is voluntarily messed up at his shows. <laughs> voluntarily roofied. No, we make videos specifically. Like, okay, hey, baby, what's your date and time today? <laughs> it's July twenty first. That's right, close enough. <laughs> so you start out in Washington D.C. I started in D.C. Yeah. So tell us, is Washington D.C. more like Veep or House of Cards? Oh, much more like Veep. Much more like, <laughs> much Veep. More like Veep. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, there's some House of Cards elements. I mean, that's the thing about D.C. D.C. is really silly, but then you'll, like, be walking down the street and you'll see a car chase and some gunshots. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's, that's, I mean, I li- I, again, I was in a different part of D.C. I was in the Negro part. So oh, there okay. was, like, I was around Howard where, like, in 2000 when it, gentrification would, hadn't really started yet. Yeah. Gentrification really didn't hit D.C. until, like, 2005. And that's when, like, I saw the first gay couple get it buy a condo on my street yeah um because people forget the gays started gentrification yeah not hipsters no gays were the, the gays yeah. raised property value like crazy yeah uh, <laughs> they clean to join up they do man they bring the restaurants in they put in nice condos and the hipster kids come in and they go like oh yeah i'm gonna bring my pit bulls and they're then dinks. <laughs> Double income, no kids none yeah <laughs> they're great they're getting kids now but the, yeah. first the, he had a great dane first and then the kid came later oh uh, great danes can be more expensive than kids oh right? and they're scary yeah because if you don't feed a kid they'll cry you don't feed a great dane they'll they'll eat you 
Do they? I thought they were just sweethearts. Well, get anything hungry enough, it'll eat you. True. You yeah. know what? You know what? That's hey, Trump supporters. Like the Veeper House of Cards thing, because I, I asked people that. They, I, I would just read an article. Uh, someone is auctioning off a love letter that John F. Kennedy wrote to one of his mistresses. Okay. Okay, and it's it, it, where he's trying to talk her into coming and meeting him. He goes, "Why don't you meet me on the nineteenth? Why don't you meet me here, etc." And uh, that's interesting in and of itself. It, mm -hmm. It's not that we, uh, it's not that we're surprised by the revelations that John F. Kennedy uh, had sex outside of his marriage. We're not surprised by that. Uh, here was the surprising, shocking thing. Okay, the woman he was writing to uh, was the wife of a CIA agent who was then uh, killed in 1964, and the murder was never solved. And you go, that's House of Cards shit. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, if the more you read about Kennedy, the more you go, oh, why wasn't he shot earlier? You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm not saying like I'm not saying we should kill the president, but yeah. still, the people that he pissed off, you're like, oh, yeah. he, they didn't kill him? Yeah. <laughs> oh, those guys? Like the fact that he got the mob that helped him win a state, and then he immediately got, tried to get them all arrested. I was yeah. like, whoo! <laughs> that's yeah. some ballsy crap, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to be funny, but that's. <laughs> but you read a book on Kennedy, you'd be like, yo, everybody wanted to kill him. It's like a murder mystery. Like, yeah. legitimately. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Do you, uh, 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 I, I had a friend, Bill Hicks, who had a great joke about. Uh, uh, about uh, uh, Kennedy and Lee Harvey Oswald. He goes, I went to the ba Dallas Book Depository, I visited, and they tell you, and it's true, that it is exact, left exactly the same way Kennedy was shot. Oswald is not there. Because <laughs> <laughs> Bill was a big way, it was now what is now called a conspiracy buff, but it was a guy who said something else went on here. It There's no way... Like now, that could get away with. There was, it wasn't even, but that's that's not even conspiracy. That's just a, a legitimate question. It's like, yeah. why would you find this dude? How can that other guy shoot him? It was just like, come on, y'all, that's yeah. gross. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we when I was a kid, it was uh, when Lincoln was brought up. People, oh, that's all these conspiracy theories. They were just a pissed off actor. But we now know that there was a plan, a strategy, a group of people, an entire an entire conspiracy. One man's conspiracy is just another man's plan. Yeah, you know, to assassinate Lincoln. That there was this group of guys that got together and they thought if they can kill him, they can get the war back going back again or, or, or turn the tide. So there was a real conspiracy, an organization of people who set out to assassinate and did assassinate Abraham Lincoln. But we won't accept that po that possibility about John F. Kennedy. Yeah, that's weird. Well, why why won't you? Why wouldn't? I mean, it may be because it was people that that later on made speeches and passed laws and. And uh, appeared on television shows who who became lauded in American history. Who all got together and went, I think John F. Kennedy was a good president, not a great president. We'll never know he wasn't president long enough. Okay, and I don't expect my president to be a saint. I'm not I'm not electing a pope, you know, which isn't a saint at all. But that there were enough people who went, this this guy's got to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember uh, when Obama was getting um, the first election, 2000, I remember this article where they were saying, this is going to be the next Kennedy. And there's one guy going, I, God, I hope not. Yeah. And they just listed all the things that Kennedy did. And you were like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't want Kennedy. Yeah. I mean, just so many things that could have been avoided. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that uh, uh, Barack Obama will go down in history if there's, a, if there's a real honest assessment of history 
of uh, one of our greatest presidents. Absolutely. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> now, I, and I think that Ronald Reagan was a mediocre president. But there's been a revisionist history of Reagan Crazy. where they, you know, they name oh, so many things, so many monuments and airports and streets and neighborhoods. And I think there's a running shoe, you know, and all this after him. Uh, revisionist. Then when you confront anybody who says he was great and you go, he did this and this and this, they just go, uh, he was the greatest president. That, <laughs> that we're going to really have to make sure that we capture... Winston Churchill had a great quote, and the quote was, Neville Chamberlain will go down as one of the worst men in British history. I know, for I shall write it. (laughs) (laughs) So we think, you know, so uh, uh, I think he's been one of the greatest presidents, yet the most vilified. Yet the most vilified. You know who also is on that same level? Nixon. (laughs) If you look at the accomplishments of Nixon did, I mean, I I can't remember them all, but he started the EPA alone. I mean, the fact that he's a dope dude. And then, I mean, I don't even, I know... I mean, then he got kind well, of shadowed yeah, with his, uh, yeah. like, was he lying? It was like, well, a, the, yeah, it was so murky. Two big issues with Nixon, or, or, or several. A, how his career started. He started out as a red baiter. That it was a, oh, a very right. good actor named Melvin Douglas, whose wife was a, uh, a U.S. congressman, a female from California, and he destroyed her career by saying that she was a commie, she was a pinko, she was soft. Com- he was a real right-wing guy, very nasty when he was in the House of Representatives. Eisenhower hated him. You know, uh, he had that darkness about him, that smallness that he couldn't ever cover up. And he did do a lot of great things as president. He lied about ending the Vietnam War and continued the Vietnam War longer than it should have. And well, they, the, the American yeah. people want, needed to be lied to there. Yeah. I mean, that was a war nobody wanted to be in. <laughs> Domestically a great president. Domestically. Domestically, yeah. Domestically a decent president. I'm not a... Uh, Lyndon yeah. Johnson, domestically one of the greatest presidents of all time. Oh, he, my mother is obsessed with him because he's a particular type of evil. He's actually, I think he's based, most of the, uh, of uh, what's that movie? House of Cards is based off of Lyndon B. Johnson. Think, uh, <laughs> at the same time, Medicare, Social Security, yeah. Civil Rights Civil Act, Rights Voting Act. Rights Act. All this incredible stuff. But, but he, did you ever hear like um, Rachel Maddow used to play like uh, recordings of the way he used to bully people on uh, the phone? Did you actually watch the new movie? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I saw it the other night. Yeah. Oh, yeah I, I like uh, the way this. Like, I just like. It. I like when like it's just like the anti-hero type things when the guys are evil but do good things. So it's just the best character. <laughs> Does isn't that what we need a president to be? Yeah, but that's not a good argument for Trump. <laughs> no, no. Well, look, it, I think Hillary's a lot more evil. She murdered so many people when she was Secretary of State. I mean, come on. Isn't that what a president or Secretary of State does? Exactly. I just think that she's like more proven to be cold than Trump. I, I, th- I, I told someone, I go, here's what we need to be president, and it's like it's one of those scary things. I said, you need someone who can stand in one room and look at a screen and go, okay, I give the order, fire. Exactly. Okay, and then walk into a next room and go. Today we're going to pardon these two turkeys and mean it. You got to mean it in both places. Uh, 2012, when when Obama was destroying Trump, he was also killing Osama bin Laden. That was like a scene in Godfather. Obama, yeah, was, yeah. Was Wait, was that a, was that two years separate? That might have been two separate years. Yeah. But still, it's still a scene in the Godfather. It's yeah. too very like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like you need that individual. You need that individual who can make those top. They say Harry Truman. They talked to him years ago. They go. They go, did it affect you when you dropped the bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki? He went, went to bed and slept like a baby. Mm. You know, there is this thing about we have to protect our own. There is a greater good. I mean, a lot of things that people don't like to don't really want to admit about what a president needs to be. I mean, but that that I mean, it was right after Pearl Harbor. I mean, that was their 9-11 and that was like a couple years later. So it was like, yeah, you couldn't even. Yeah, you couldn't feel it. I mean, how much did we feel? I mean, we felt bad in 2000 about Iraq war, like way after it happened. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what is it? it's not like we were like immediately oh, stop bombing. No, yeah. we're like, uh, give it two years. Oh, that was bad that he did that. I'm 
actually add mad at liberals for their revisionists with the whole Iraq war. Like, oh, the war was evil. Yeah, but y'all were mad late to it. Um, yeah. Not everybody, but yeah. still, it was not yeah. enough people. Well, there weren't enough people to get go. When he goes, he goes, they, they are evil. They got nuclear bombs. No one wanted to really go. Uh, well, let's really find out. Everybody went, okay, all right. Yeah. What, what, okay. What did nuclear wars got to do anything, man? I know I'm bringing up an old topic. It's like, no, just you know, make a better TSA. <laughs> <laughs> is this what you normally talk about on your podcast and radio shows, or uh, is there anything that you wanted to cover that we haven't covered? No, I, I, I knowingly can talk about anything. Yeah, I'm, you uh, can, man. You can. <laughs> one of the things that uh, uh, I. I love about uh, I, I've been in, involved in the comedy business a long time. One of the things I love about talking to good comics, funny comics, mm-hmm. is that they're they're so well read and, and and such deep thinkers. And mainly because you got nothing to do for twenty three hours. Nothing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, let me read this book on ISIS. I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> and you've certainly proven to be one of those, man. We want to thank you very much for oh, coming man, it's in. It's been fun, y'all. Thanks uh, for having me, yeah. man. So you've been listening to uh, Seton Smith uh, talk about a wide range of topics. Uh, in both an intelligent and funny way and uh, if you want to continue to hear this sort of thing you want to go down to Rick Bronson's House of Comedy tonight for two shows Saturday for two shows Sunday for one show you're there Sunday Sunday one show All right, you can find out all about it by going to houseofcomedy.net houseofcomedy.net we got no baby in here with us today no baby and you were sick last week I was really sick you know what I think you were doing because you had baby fever I think you were out are you pregnant again I wish. Yeah? <laughs> you wish? Really? Yeah. Well, let's go to the Man. bathroom. No, uh. Mandy's got baby fever. She came in here one day, and there was someone out in the lobby with a baby, and she goes, oh, my God, that baby's so cute. I'm lactating. So that was... That was wow. My nipples were tingling. Yeah. No, she had her nipples wow. tingling. That's one of the great moments in comedy schools, radio.com history. That's, that's most of my demographic, them nipple tinglers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And this has been a great moment in comedy schools, radio.com history. This will be, uh, after everything we've talked about, this will be labeled the nipple tingling show. That's right. Yeah, because that's where it always goes in the end, doesn't it? <laughs> You've been listening to This American Podcast Comedy. You've been listening to Seton Smith. We'll be right back.